We are kicking off a new series this morning. We've, uh, we've had a fun time in February, uh, a month of celebration, a month of honouring legacy and asking ourselves, what does it actually mean to honour it? Um, and it actually, for me, the best honour we can give to a legacy is to build from it, to keep it going. Right? We're, not, we're not just going to sit and, and be like, that was great. We're going to continue to build something that is great. Okay? And uh, with that, I thought it was uh, a good idea to kick off this new series. We're calling it A King's Commission. A King's Commission. So um, why don't you take out something to write notes in this morning? You know, I was, I was writing this, this this week and began to ask myself, the question like, why, why, why would we not take notes in church? Why would we not do that? Why would we not expect that the Word of God is going to say something worth taking with us? And I think sometimes it's because we just don't actually bring that thought to our conscious mind. We don't remind ourselves that this is God's Word to us and it's worth taking notes and thinking about during the week. We so easily, as human beings, slip into just going through routine. So, the heading this morning, a King's Commission, this week, the title of the message is a purpose, or purpose determines posture. Purpose determines posture. So you can write that down, and the scripture we read earlier is Philippians 1. 27 to 30. Philippians 1, 27 to 30. If nothing else, you can take that home and you can think about that this week now, all right? There you go. If you don't write anything else down, you've taken notes. Well done. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere in your life. I don't know, probably. Most of you don't live here in, in this auditorium, so you've obviously been somewhere. But if you've ever been somewhere uh, where like, you don't, you've acted as if you belong there when you don't really. You've done this, right? Julie's done it. Anybody else done this where you've, you've gone somewhere and you've just pretended like you're totally supposed to be there, uh, hoping that nobody notices, no one calls you out? I used to do this all of the time. Um, uh, one of the things that I used to love to do, and uh, Rach will, when she gets back from being with our, our, our youngest in kids' church, who loves kids' ministry workers? Oh my goodness. They are a gift from the Lord. If you see anybody that serves on our kids' team, can you give them a COVID safe hug, please? No, like we, do, we need to love on them. They do an incredible job. But when, when, when we were dating, I used to, uh, well, Rach experienced this when we were dating. I used to do it a lot beforehand. But I would go into really expensive clothes stores. Right, one of my favorite was down in the Queen Victoria building uh, in Sydney on, on like the third level. They have like all the, the super expensive stores. And one of my favorite was Prada. And I would go into Prada and I, I would go in there as if I was totally supposed to be there. Like I could totally afford everything that was in there. And I'd browse, I'd go through the suits. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice one. And I'd uh, sit down and I'd pick up a pair of shoes and uh, the, the customer service person would come. Okay, how are you? Do you have these in a nine and a half, ten or something? I might try them on. I would legitimately try on like $1,500 shoes and, and pretend as if I was going to buy them. I'd do the little walk around the store and, yeah, they're nice. I might leave them for today, thanks. And, you know, I'd just walk out, right? I just, I, I love doing that. I love pretending um, that I could afford that stuff and, you know, putting it on. And, but the truth is I had no place being there, right? Like, I couldn't afford any of those clothes. I still do it in little, in little ways. Um, 
like if you're in the city and you really need to go to the bathroom and there's like hotel and just walk in the hotel like you're staying there. Like you just, well, I should be here. What are you talking about? Now, why, why, would, you, why would you question why I'm walking through the lobby to, to the bathrooms, right? It's just a persona that we put on, that, that, that we put on to try to trick people into not questioning why we act the way we act, right? I don't know if anyone else does this. So it's obviously just something I do. That's all right. But when I think about this, I, I, I get that, that sort of saying in my mind, you know, fake it till you make it. Right? I don't know if anyone else has faked it until they've made it. I think if you managed to get through high school, uh, you definitely at some point in time faked something um, until, until somehow you understood what you were supposed to do. But the truth is that if we are honest this morning, we all need to acknowledge that at some time in our lives, we have absolutely done this, right? Because, because every scenario that is new in our lives, we have no idea about what we're doing. Did anyone realize that when you got married? You have no idea how to be married. You just, you just put it on, right? Like you just, I think this is what marriage is supposed to look like. So here we go. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put on like we know what we're doing and when we have no idea what we're doing and 10 years in, you know, Rachel and I have been married 11 years and we, we've passed that point now where we can acknowledge we know very little about, you know, how to do marriage and that's really the, the part where you start to grow a good marriage. Um, but, but raising children, right? When you have children, you have no idea how to parent, right? You, you pretend you do and you tell everybody like, when you're eight months pregnant, we're so ready for this. We're so ready. You are not ready for that. You are not ready for that in any way, shape or form, right? You totally fake it. You absolutely fake it. And then, and then you think you're getting a hang of it and then the child becomes a toddler, right? Or you have a second one and it's like, wow, I am completely faking managing two children right now. Right, and then, and then all of you have teenagers, it's like, amen, no one has ever been parent of a teenager before. Changes your life, right? But why, why do we so feel the need to, to fake success? Why is it that we, we put on this, this facade, right? It's because that somewhere in our psyche, we have determined what we think success is in that aspect of life looks like. And, and we have determined somewhere in the back of our mind that in some way achieving that or, or, or even presenting a perceived achievement of that is me succeeding at this life, right? Like if I am a good parent, then I have somehow succeeded at life. If I have a great marriage, then I have somehow succeeded at life. And so because we have this aching desire to achieve at life, we present perceived success, whether we've actually nailed it or not. And what that does for us is ultimately it reveals what we believe our purpose is, right? It ultimately reveals that we believe that our purpose is somehow related to some element of success in life. I'll tell you two things about purpose. Purpose is always revealed by our behavior, it's always revealed by our behavior. If you're still taking notes and you haven't like swiped from the notes section of your phone to Instagram already, why don't you write that down? Your purpose will always be revealed by your behavior. It's funny, if you sit back and watch people long enough, you can tell what their aim is walking through a supermarket, right? Their behavior will, will, will clearly communicate it. Like they're on a mission to the milk, 
right? It's like their purpose is to get there, get the milk, and get out as soon as possible. You can tell because generally they're wearing like Ugg boots and track pants, and they've come from making the tea at home and realized, oh, we've got no milk, right? And they're like, I'm getting in and out as quick as possible with the liter of milk so that I can go back to relaxing in front of New Girl or something like that. I don't know what you watch, right? Purpose is always revealed by our behavior. Secondly, though, purpose will always determine our posture. Purpose is revealed by our behavior, but ultimately what it does is it determines our posture. What you believe your purpose is will determine how you approach every aspect of your life. It will determine the the, the posture you have to whatever it is that fills your day. Whatever you have concluded is your purpose will set you up for how you travel through each day. Here's the thing, if our, if our purpose is, is to be known, right, notoriety, somehow we have determined that that is the ultimate pinnacle of success. If I get known, if I have notoriety in this life, I have made it. If that is our purpose, then it will determine the posture that we have towards any type of situation where we can gain social equity. If our purpose in this life is to make money, that will determine the posture we have to how, how we spend our money what we do with our paycheck, how we save, how we invest, how, what, what, it will even determine what we talk about. What we have determined is our purpose will ultimately dictate our posture. Now, there, there is a hesitancy here to somehow feel like I'm communicating that all of those things are wrong. They're not wrong. It's not wrong to want to be a great parent. It's not wrong to want to have a great marriage. It's not wrong to have those very high on the list of purposes in this life, right? There is nothing wrong with that. But we have got to understand that when we made a decision to believe in who Jesus said he was, when we made that decision and acknowledged that we had fallen short of his standard of perfection in this life and received the forgiveness and grace that he freely gives, Scripture says we were born again, right? Scripture says that we have had a new birth, that we received a new nature, that we have got a new identity. We've been adopted into a new family. Actually, we have become a new nation. And even more than that, Paul in Philippians says that we have now become new citizens. We've got a citizenship in heaven. You know, if we look at what Peter says, In 1 Peter, Peter says that we are strangers or foreigners even in this land. Can we throw that scripture up? Is that right? I think it's 1 Peter. There it is. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, because of that, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you, have, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour and they will give honour to God when he judges the world. So we have received this new citizenship. 
We are suddenly now not just of this world, right? Like, you know, you know the old phrase, we live in this world, but we're not of it. It's because we've been transferred from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's because we now have a new identity. I'm a part of a new family. I've been adopted as God's son, and so have you. You know, see, we don't, we don't really think too much about citizenship mostly. I don't know, it's not on like my current top 10 things I'm thinking about. Oh, I'm a citizen of Australia. What does that mean? Right, but some, to some people, it's a huge deal, right? If you talk to refugees, it's a, citizenship is a huge deal. If you talk to Pastor Earl, citizenship is a huge deal, right? Yeah, you can talk to him afterwards. He'll tell you all about it. But, but to the people around the time that the Scripture was written, right, when Paul is, is writing this to the church in Philippi, citizenship is a major deal. Citizenship is a major deal. You see, he's writing it to this, this colony of, of ex-Roman soldiers, right? If you know about the Roman army, you know that they were made up mostly of actually con- the conquered people, right? There weren't too many Roman citizens who signed up to be in the army. They were generally the, 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 the commanders and things like that. But the general army, the front line, they were actually made up of, of people that had been conquered. And the reason they signed up to the army is because once they'd served their time, if they survived... They received citizenship. It was, it, was, it was their exiting. It was like, oh, you're still alive? You can live better after this, right? Like you conquered something for Rome, therefore we are going to give you something in return. And, and so Philippi was this community that was made up of actually a whole lot of these ex-Roman army people that have been granted citizenship of Rome. And you see, citizenship in Rome came with actually a whole lot of benefit, right? There was lower taxes, who would like lower taxes? I'd like lower taxes. It'd be great. Rather than tax because we're a citizen. Uh, such lower taxes, legal privileges, increased social status, land ownership. All of these things that back in the day, if you weren't a citizen of Rome, you were unable to attain to. But in Philippi, the, this, this thing that people have, have like desired after and craved, we have this community that have received it. They've received citizenship. It was this coveted status. Now, I don't know about you, but I consider myself a little bit like James Bond um, because I have two passports, right? Like I, I have them in a secret compartment in a drawer next to some coins from another country just to give myself the sense of spy status. Um, but but I'm, I'm, I'm an Australian citizen, I've got an Australian passport, but thanks to uh, nothing that I did of my own accord, but because my parents, uh, my dad in particular was British, I also have a British passport. It's awesome, was, and, and, until the current climate. Um, but there was a time when Rachel and I were traveling through Europe and uh, having a dual passport, particularly having a British passport when you're traveling through Europe is awesome. Comes with this incredible set of benefits. Like when you arrive into Heathrow, one of the, the busiest airports in the world, and there's lines out of the door to try to get through passport control, you get to sidestep that and go in the fast lane, right? Where you don't have to talk, you don't have to talk to anyone. You can just, who knows that not talking to people when you first get off a plane is a great thing, right? You just go through the fast lane and you just beep your passport on the thing and look, look in the little retinal scan and, uh, and then you're through. And, and that was awesome. I loved that. I loved that, except that I wasn't traveling alone when I did that. And so I got to go through like, like super quick, which was awesome. And then I got to play one player, you know, or one player solitaire for an hour and 40 minutes while I rated for everybody that, that I was traveling with, right? It, was, uh, it had its benefits, but they didn't translate. So just like with our citizenship in heaven, right, it, it comes with an incredible set of benefits, 
And I think sometimes we don't, we don't actually bring to mind the benefits that we live with, right? We go looking for what we already have because we don't remind ourselves that we've already received it, right? So we're, we're still looking everywhere for hope and peace and joy and when actually Scripture says we have received them in full. We have received them in full. We might need to learn how to access them. We might need to learn how to remove some thoughts out of our mind that are, that are, that are actually taking us in a different direction than, than, than accessing the things that God has already placed within us because we have a new nature and a new spirit and new desires. But we have already received them. We have received forgiveness. We've received full acceptance, right? We've received this eternal security in our lives. We've received a path to healing, to transformation. When we receive that new identity, that new citizenship, we got all those benefits. But you know what else we got? We actually got a new purpose. We actually got a new purpose. For every one of us here this morning and watching on our broadcast, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and all of the benefit that comes with that, you have a new purpose in this life, one that ultimately transcends every other good purpose we thought we had. And that doesn't diminish the fact that they are a good purpose. As we said earlier, raising a great family, having a great marriage, being diligent in your job, managing your finances well, all great purposes. But there is one we have received that transcends all of that. There is one that we have received which has an effect on everything else in our life. You see, receiving the purpose of God changes everything. It changes everything. It changes all of our other purposes. So now it's not just raising a good family, but it's raising a family that knows that God is real. Now it's not just having a good marriage, it's having a godly marriage. It changes our priorities. It changes the things we used to think were important in life. The things we used to escalate to the upper echelons of our our thinking around success changes that. And if you let it, it even changes our innermost desires. You know, it's funny, we, we read scriptures where God will give us the desires of our heart and we, and we like that scripture. We love that scripture, but we don't like the one in James that says, you know, the reason you don't have what you ask for is because you ask with the wrong motives. <laughs> scripture interprets scripture, guys. Okay, don't take one that sounds good and take it out of context. You need to remember you've been given a new nature with new desires. So when those new desires are the ones that you seek, they're the ones that God wants to fulfill. Just wanting a new car so you can be awesome might not possibly be the desire that, that God is going to come through on. It's not to say he's not good. I won't give you the desires of your heart, but let's, let's interpret Scripture properly. You see, we're supposed to live in such a way that we demonstrate the reality of our new citizenship. And ultimately, that, that's going to mean things for us. That's going to mean that, that on the surface, there's some changes, right? There's, there, there's going to be some behavior that looks different. There's going to be some things that we used to do when, when, when we were of this world, when all we knew was how to operate and behave and think and perceive the way that the world does. There were some things that we used to do that now, it, it should change. There should be a change. There was things I used to do before I knew Jesus that I don't do anymore. But it's not just surface, right? Like, it's not behavior modification. God wants to transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
there is an inner change that takes place, right? There is a a shift that is deeper. That's where God begins to shift our desires and our attitudes and our approaches and our priorities to, to those that line up with the ones that are inside of his kingdom. We don't always like that because we like democracy. We love democracy. Oh, everyone gets to vote on what it should be like. No, we're in a kingdom and God's word determines what it should look like. Just because we don't like what it feels like when God says something doesn't mean that God hasn't said it. We want him to save us and yet we struggle with him being king and Lord over our lives. And yet the moment we allow him to be is the moment we actually begin to live as citizens of his kingdom. Because it is that change, it is that difference in approach, it is that change in the way we actually perceive this life and what it is all about that speaks to those around us. Peter, Paul, both of them talk about the fact that our lives will be seen by those around us. And the reality is, I mentioned this before, right? Like when I went through customs, it was awesome, all sorts of benefits. Great, yes, got this passport, gets me through, it's awesome. Don't have to stop when I go to European countries. Maybe now that Brexit's occurred, I'll have to. But the truth is, I wasn't traveling alone. And I think sometimes we need to remember that the benefits of the kingdom are awesome, but we're not supposed to travel through this life alone. Coming into the kingdom of God and receiving salvation is awesome for us, but it's not just for us, right? We've received the purpose of extending the kingdom of God here on earth, and God has determined that the extension of the kingdom is going to occur through those of us that are within it. And so, yes, being in it is awesome, and we get a whole range of benefits with it, but ultimately, we are supposed to live in such a way that we take others with us, that we demonstrate to others all around us that there is, the things that they crave are available. You see, I wonder whether me sitting playing solitaire for an hour and 40 minutes demonstrated to anyone waiting in line that, well, there's obviously a quicker way through customs, right? (laughs) Obviously, if you have something, you can get through really quickly. Now, on the flip side, obviously, because I was waiting for those, I didn't just chuff off. Right? I, didn't just, I didn't just grab my bag and head out the airport. Right? Yes, I got through quickly, but I, I stopped and waited for those who were still coming. And as citizens of heaven, I think we need to understand that God is calling us to live as someone with a different citizenship, a different identity, a different definition of success, a different reason to get up in the morning, a different foundation to our morality, a different way to to determine what is right and wrong, a different answer to the why questions of life, right? Like why love, why endure, why believe, why have faith, why be expectant, why do we not lose heart, why do we not despair? We have a purpose now to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives And you know what? This purpose should be the one that determines your posture. This purpose should be the one that determines your approach to every aspect of life. Right? It should 
It should transcend how we work, how we date. It should transcend how we raise a family. It should transcend how we use our finances. It should transcend how we deal with suffering and pain and loss, right? It should transcend the value that we place on success. It changes our posture to work. It changes our posture to each other. It changes our posture to family, to money, to difficulty. It should change our posture to the pandemic. We live life with a different posture because we have a different purpose. And it should so that it can be seen in us. When did we ever think the goal was to get a light and put it under a bushel? We should live so our light can be seen. Ultimately, God has given us the purpose of extending his kingdom. You know, sometimes we can be like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? It's a great phrase, right? Like actually the term kingdom of God, you probably struggle to even find that in the New Testament, right? So, so like, what does it mean to extend, like, like extend the kingdom of God? Great message. Awesome. Let me put it like this and, and maybe, maybe write this down in your notes. It says, it is taking what is cultivated in us by his spirit among the body of believers out into the world and allowing it to be presented by us so it can be seen and hopefully experienced by others. I will read that again if you are writing it down. What does it mean to extend the kingdom of God? It is taking what is cultivated in us by his spirit in the body of believers. It's important, right? We don't go off on these rogue, oh, God told me this. No, it's in the body of believers. Out into the world. Allowing it to be presented by us so it can be seen and hopefully experienced by others. That right there is the purpose that we have from God. And it should change things for us. It should change the way we live so that people might see and experience the kingdom and all its realities. You know, I don't think this is groundbreaking understanding for anyone. The issue for us is not always realizing that. The issue, I think, for many of us is that we don't think about it enough to live it. You see, Craig Groeschel says that, that your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Right, So the issue here is not that we don't sometimes realize, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to live like I'm a citizen of heaven. It's not that. It's that we don't 
deliberately and intentionally bring it to mind enough that it influences the direction of our lives. We don't make an effort to wake up in the morning and make the first thing we remind ourselves of is, hey, hang on, you're a new creation this morning. Let's live like that today. Or, or, or you're going to work this morning as an ambassador of Christ in that workplace. Or when we walk out the front to collect the bins, we haven't reminded ourselves that when I see the neighbor, maybe that's an opportunity for me just to say hi and be nice and, and, and the fact that I'm supposed to love people might come out in that moment. It's not that we don't believe it. It's not that we haven't seen it before. It's that we don't make it intentional. Colossians 3, 1 to 3 says this. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now, other translations, I really appreciate it because they say not just the things of earth, right? Like they make it somewhat attainable knowing that we are still gonna think about the things of earth and if you don't, you're gonna end up being some very weird person who, who, who is definitely not engaging with reality around them, right? But the goal here is not to, to be void of, of awareness of the world. The goal is that we think of the realities of heaven. The goal is that we are intentional about reminding ourselves that when I go to school on Monday, I'm not just a student. I'm there with a purpose. I don't just wake up and have my feet hit the ground and, and, and automatically think, wow, wow, I'm on purpose today. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not like that. That's not natural. I have to work at that. I have to implement things in my life that remind me that I'm on purpose. That, I, that remind me that, 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 that my whole paradigm of my relationship with Jesus is not just about a Sunday. I have to remind myself on Monday that I'm living for more than everything this world offers. I have to remind myself on Wednesday that I have a greater purpose and I have to do that in the morning when I wake up, somehow have a reminder on my phone, something like that, that's just, just, just a trigger. You know, we get a message like this, and, and the truth is that this message is really good if life's not great for you right now. If you are facing some sort of trial, some difficulty, something that has occurred, this message is really good because it reminds you that underneath all that, there's a greater purpose. I, 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 think, about, I think about my mum who, who is living and caring for my, my stepdad who's got frontal lobe dementia. And you know what? There's days I look at her life and I'm like, God, what, like, what is going on there? Why? And there's all sorts of periods of suffering in her life. And you know what? So 70th the other day, I got to give a speech and I'm like, suddenly dawned on me. I see Jesus in people in suffering way more than success. Don't ever believe that just because you're facing difficulty right now, that God does not have a purpose to reveal his kingdom through it. Don't ever believe that because you don't have what you want right now, that God isn't using that circumstance to show those around you that the peace and the love and the joy and the sustaining life of the Spirit that we receive in the kingdom of God is not real. 
This message is great if life is really mundane for you right now. Like if, 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 if it's just like you are, you are on the, the, the cog wheel of day to day, same old, same old, right? Because it reminds you that in the mundane there is more. It reminds you that, that even, uh, even if it seems like nothing is changing, God has a purpose underneath all of that for you to reveal that, that even in mundane there is purpose. But ultimately, I think this message is critical for most of us. Because most of us live with some level of comfort and worldly success, some level of affluence. You only have to compare the Western world to pretty much everybody else to realize we live on a whole different level. And so this message is critical because it reminds us that that is not the ultimate goal or achievement. And that actually, maybe with our success, we should be seeking what the purpose of God is for it. I think, I think we get comfortable too easily. I think we, we naturally slip into satisfaction with comfort and forget that actually we are called to live on purpose that in our success there is a purpose to be generous to to live out the realities of the kingdom you know I just I feel this morning that God wants to do two really clear things the first one is for some people God wants to bring a fresh revelation of the kingdom and its realities to you a reminder of the things you actually received when you first received Christ. He wants to remind you that the joy you seek, you have. The hope you need, you have. The life, the, 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 the inner buoyancy of your spirit that you crave, you have. It's right there. It's right there in the relationship you have with Jesus. It's right there in, the, in the, the adoption into the family of God and all that comes with that. It is available to you. It's a revelation of that right now. And the second thing that I believe God wants to do this morning is actually to bring about a recalibration of purpose for some people. For some people this morning, you feel like God's just speaking into your heart and reminding you that maybe that thing that you have been chasing is not everything. He wants to recalibrate some things this morning. And, 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 and I believe that what's going to happen out of this is that actually there is going to be some tangible change for some of you. There's going to be some course adjustment. It's not so much that you're not going to do or you're not going to go after the things that, that are still good. It's that there's going to be an undercurrent of why that is going to change. 
There's going to be an undercurrent of why. And you're going, to, you're going to begin to pursue certain things so that you can reveal the kingdom of God. You're going to see success and opportunity with an underlying purpose. I believe that there's this undercurrent that the Spirit wants to bring in and through lives this morning that is going to change everything about how you approach whatever it is that God's bringing to mind right now. Because I, I firmly believe all of the things that we've said about this church, God's going to do a new thing. God's going to do a great thing. All of those things, they're not in doubt. The only thing that's in doubt is who He's going to do it through. I have zero doubt He's going to extend His kingdom through this church in a powerful way. But I can't choose for you if He's going to do it through you. I can't choose for you to ensure that you posture yourself according to the purpose of the kingdom of God in all that you do with your life. 